Sit on. Lord, this morning, fill our hearts with your peace. Help us to know that you love us. Help us to leave here as peacemakers that reconcile people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Good morning. How peaceful do you feel in your life right now? If I surveyed the crowd, I'm sure we'd have everybody all over the spectrum to I'm very relaxed, maybe a little bit tired, to semi-peaceful, to my life is chaos right now. A few weeks ago, it was spring break, and my wife and I had this great idea that we'd have a nice peaceful vacation and take our two daughters, ages six and not quite two, camping in Asheville, North Carolina, actually called Silva, North Carolina. We have this old falling apart pop-up camper, and I have my old forerunner. And we made it there, which was even a little bit of a surprise. And we get to the campsite, and our daughter, Zelia, she has one speed when she's not sleeping, and it's full speed. And we didn't, really didn't think things through. As soon as we got there, she was running around. There was a big drop-off about five feet into this creek. There was all these sharp things she could cut herself on. She's already been to the hospital once and had stitches. And then we had a, a campfire going. Again, we were trying to hold her from jumping in the fire. After the first day, my wife looked at me and said, I think we made a mistake. <laughs> By the second day, we were just kind of going with it. You know, we were kind of numb. By the third day, we we're like, we're having a great time. And uh, I think, it, you know, we weren't really quite thinking clearly. By the fourth day, we were thinking, let's do this again next year. But if you really surveyed us, it was not a peaceful, relaxing vacation, uh, not until the children fell asleep anyway for those few minutes till we collapsed and uh, fell asleep ourselves. I think if all of us are honest, if we look at our own lives, we have found that our pursuit for peace and satisfaction, at least the, what the world tells us is peace and satisfaction, is oftentimes futile and does not last. Whether it's trying to find that perfect vacation, perhaps the perfect relationship, Or maybe it's just more things, more stuff, more money, bigger house, better car, whatever it might be. We are if we're honest with ourselves, we know just a little bit more never really satisfies us. doesn't bring us the peace that we know it really won't bring. Freddie Mercury, who was the former lead singer from the rock band Queen, described it this way. He said, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that is the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds. That's money in the UK, in case you didn't know. But it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. The peace this world offers is momentary and does not. It's not sustainable. The writer in Ecclesiastes realized this and wrote, I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun and see that all is vanity and a chasing after the wind. Perhaps this uh, unsatisfaction and this void that comes in our lives when we go after the the world's stuff is best described by a guy that was in the service with my father. And for any of you, uh, if you can remember, my dad, maybe you have parents like this that tell stories over and over again until you feel like you, you know all their stories. Well, he tells about this guy he was in the military with when he was stationed over in uh, Japan. 
And the guy would always make these rhymes. He was from St. Louis. And uh, and one day my dad asked him, he goes, say, uh, so how's it going? And he looked at my dad and he said, Roy, the kid is not at rest. He's got a pain in his chest. And I think if we're honest, many of us have that void when it comes to going after the world's things. We have that pain because of all the chaos that we see in our lives. And we know that nothing under heaven here is going to ultimately satisfy us. So is religion the answer? Well, Karl Marx didn't think so. He thought it was just the opium of the masses, kind of a temporary high to help people feel good as a way to kind of control people. Edie Brickell in The New Bohemians, she described religion as the smile on a dog's face, maybe just not really thinking about things, maybe more like a hobby, like knitting or rock climbing or something like that. But is faith in Christ something much more? Blaise Pascal, the mathematician, thought so. He said that all of us have this void in our lives and we can try to fill it with all the stuff in this world. But ultimately, it won't satisfy us. For him, he found that the only thing that can fill that void is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing else can ultimately satisfy. Well, the good news for us all this morning is that we have a God who is not distant but offers us a powerful, ongoing, eternal relationship through faith in Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. This relationship brings us peace and purpose and healing and can and will fill the void in our lives, even as we go through the chaos that so oftentimes comes up in our lives. And not only does it help us, it helps us to bring this peace, to reconcile others to God so they can have this hope so that they can fill that void, that pain in their chest. In the gospel readings today, we hear about the words peace. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and it's towards the uh, end of his time. The disciples are very confused because Jesus is talking about dying and rising again, and, you know, they don't know what's going on. And he said, my peace, I leave you. And then we have the Apostle Paul who's locked up in prison, and he talks about this peace that passes all understanding. See, the one thing the disciples and Paul had in common is the disciples later, and Paul later as well, experienced the risen Christ. The disciples saw him. And it's funny, the first thing Jesus said to uh, his disciples when he had risen from the dead after three days was, peace be with you. And the writer John has it an exclamation point. And if I was the disciples, I'm sure peace was anything but they were uh, what they were feeling when their friend who was dead had come back to life. But he said that on uh, multiple times to them. My peace, peace be with you. Follow me. Then the Apostle Paul on his road on the road to Damascus had this conversion experience where he met Christ as well, the risen Christ. And for him, he had this peace that passes all understanding that was with him, even when he's locked up in prison and going through tough times. They all had experienced the power of the resurrection. They all understood, as it's written right here, that he is risen, that Jesus was alive. And because of that, it was kind of like that safety belt they had on. Or as my sister convinced me years ago when I was really into mountain biking and some extreme mountain biking, to start wearing a helmet. When I started to wear a helmet, all of a sudden I was a little more risky. For the disciples, when they realized eternal life was real, they no longer feared for their lives. Because they knew on this side of heaven and the next that eternal life was a reality, that he is risen. Jesus is risen. It was true. It changed their lives. 
Paul experienced the same thing. And countless times through the, the ministry that I've had over the years with high school students, I've seen students that have met Christ. And they found that the risen Christ is real. That it's not just a fable or a made-up story or that smile on a dog's face. But it has reality to it. It has bite to it. It can help them as they go through the chaos in, life, in their life. A few weeks ago, I had, or actually about a month ago, we had the speaker from Urban Promise, maybe two months ago. My time frame has been a little crazy lately. And some of the high school students that were there, uh, particularly a few of the girls that were there from the years before, shared with the other kids about how their experience there had helped to solidify their relationship with Christ and how God had become real in their lives. So that they, when they were going through their own chaos and tough times, that their prayer life had come alive, that it wasn't just something that they thought about once in a while, but it was becoming a part of their everyday life. A couple of the guys approached me afterwards and wanted to sign up for Honduras and I explained to them it wasn't the magic uh, you know, trip that was necessarily going to do that, but that God would, if they ask him, he will reveal himself to them, that they can know that God is personal and that he can bring them peace in their lives and he can fill that chaos with hope. See, we too can know the same power of the resurrection that the disciples did, that the Apostle Paul did, that these high school girls did who went to Honduras with me. But this uh, safety net of the resurrection, the reality of this that inspired them, they were given this mission of peace. And it had personal uh, implications for them and it had corporate as far as to the greater uh, community. The personal one to them is they realized, as I said before, that they were going to go through a lot of uh, hard times, chaos. They were going to be persecuted for their faith, sometimes even killed for it. But because of the reality of the resurrection, they were willing to lay down their lives. And when the chaos and the imprisonment came, they didn't fall apart. They didn't wither. They were upset. They had tears. They had discouragement. But they had that peace that passes all understanding that got them through those tough times. It was a personal peace that it was even hard to explain. But this personal peace is never left as personal. Our faith is never left personal. It's just a you and Jesus kind of thing. The disciples were also uh, instructed with a different kind of peace. The words that Jesus used was the word shalom, which is the greeting of the Jewish people. Uh, that means to make things right with your neighbor. Theologian uh, Daryl Bach describes it this way. Peace refers, refers to the Hebrew greeting shalom. And for Jesus, it refers to the aim of his work on earth to restore others to the equilibrium and richness of knowing God. This peace brings this salvation message to others regardless of their circumstances. And we realize that nothing in the world can offer such a gift. What great words. The peace that Jesus brings to them was not just a I'm okay, you're okay, don't make any waves with anybody. It was the opposite. It looked out into the world, it looked out into their people closest to them, and they wanted desperately people to know the hope and peace that they had found in Christ. They weren't afraid of imprisonment, they weren't afraid of the chaos, because they had a greater vision, a greater peace mission. They were willing to lay it on the line for people who were going to not appreciate their message. But they were empowered by the Holy Spirit as they went, th they were not left on their own. And as they went out, God protected them so they could share this message. Many people came to know Christ. 
Many people experience this peace. So it's a great job for us, not just to understand the reality of the resurrection, not just to understand that he'll provide us peace even as we're going through chaos, but we have, we are agents of shalom. We need to bring peace to a world that is hurting. And this is not always easy. Kathy Phillips has a son-in-law who is battling uh, sex trafficking all uh, around the United States, particularly in truck stops. He's made that his, uh, his ministry to go there and to fight to bring peace to these uh, young women who are being oppressed. I have uh, another friend who's in Honduras right now, and he's married to a Honduran. And his wife, Cynthia, has a niece whose mom is trying to encourage her to cross the border illegally to meet her in Pennsylvania. The girl's very beautiful, only 12 years old. She's trying to give her money to go by herself. Hugh and his wife are encouraging and praying and getting the community to encourage this girl not to do this because they know the danger. See, that is peace, not just saying, oh, yeah, just go ahead, go. No, they know in their heart that it's not the right thing, so they're willing to fight for this girl, just as Kathy's son-in-law is willing to fight for these young women. Sometimes it's more simple um, when it comes to our own personal relationships. When I was in high school, we got to play team handball every Thursday. And I took gym my senior year because I wanted an easy class, and so did the other guys who played sports. And I had a very bad temper. And this team handball was like hockey on steroids, okay? We were uh, checking each other, knocking each other down. I remember one particular time, one of my best friends, uh, Derek, um, he checked me. I got mad at him, and he was one of my best friends, and I was ready to fight him. I jumped on top of him, but Derek loved me so much, and he was a little bit stronger than me, too, that he put me in like a submission hold. He's like, calm down, calm down. It's going to be okay, and it was okay. I just got calm, and we hugged and kept playing and knocking other people down. So it was uh, sometimes as simple as that, just bringing peace to those who are in distress but understanding that the shalom of reconciling the people to God, to reconcile the brokenness of, the, of this world, is not always easy. It's not simply just letting let be. It's fighting for people as the Holy Spirit lays it on your heart who these oppressed people are that are right around you. Now, I don't know where you are this morning when it comes to knowing the peace of Christ. But I hope that if you haven't experienced that, you'll ask God to come into your heart to help you not only with your own personal uh, chaos, but to help you to be an agent of peace, an agent of shalom, to open your eyes to what is right around you, to the people who need to know the hope of Christ, who need to uh, find that satisfaction that can come from nothing else. Just as that mathematician Blaise Pascal said many years ago, that would people would understand as the prophet Isaiah uh, made it very clear that the Messiah, Jesus, is the Prince of Peace. Only in him can we find peace, no matter what is going on in our lives. Do you know this, Jesus? I hope you do. I want to know him more and more. I need to know his peace. I need to have my eyes opened up so I can bring peace, shalom, wholeness to other people that are around me. For us as a community... We have a big responsibility in this church. It's not just to come here and show up and say peace be with you as we exchange the peace each week. But it's to bring that peace out as a corporate body, just as the early church did. We have a powerful responsibility, a great responsibility, and a powerful advocate in the Holy Spirit to look into our community, not only here, 
but regionally, globally, to bring this hope and this peace to other people. And we're not on our own. The Holy Spirit will empower us to do this. Every week, uh, when Nathan is saying the post-communion prayer and the, or the blessing, he says this. Be blessed by him whom you have received. Forget not the poor. Pray for the sick and make no peace with oppression. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and those whom you love this day and forevermore. Make no peace with oppression. The Apostle Paul writes this in his letter to uh, Timothy. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I want to go back to that, the rhyming man that my dad knew way back in the day. You know, the kid is not at rest. He's got a pain in the chest. When we know Jesus, we can't find rest, even when there's chaos. Our lives can be filled so we don't have that void that's deep down in our chest. Let us pray. Lord, I pray for your peace that passes all understanding to be with everyone today. I pray that those who don't know you this morning would trust you, would ask you to come into their heart and to their lives. And open all of us as a church body to leave this place with opened eyes so that we can bring peace to others, be peacemakers, particularly to the oppressed and to the poor in spirit and to those who desperately need to know your peace. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.